Crowds and the followers continued to grow in large numbers. People were carrying the sick out into the streets, just hoping that loved ones could be healed by Peter's shadow if it fell upon them. And the high priest and the rest of the Sadducees were very jealous. And they were jealous of the attention and the large crowds, so they had Peter and the apostles arrested, thrown in public prison. But in the middle of the night, the Lord sent an angel to open the prison doors, lead them out, and to tell them to go stand in the temple and let the people hear the whole message about life. So the angel came and helped them escape from prison. The apostles went right over to the temple the next day at the break of day and started to teach. The high priest, the council, and the elders of Israel were gathering in the morning to decide what to do with those apostles. And they sent word to have them brought before the council. But of course they weren't there. The doors were still locked, the guards were standing watch, and amid the confusion and perplexity, someone arrived to announce they were back in the temple teaching already, and the temple police went over and brought the apostles to the meeting of the religious leaders, and the text records they were brought there without violence because the police were afraid that they'd be stoned by the crowds. Acts chapter 5, now at verse 27. When they had brought the apostles, they had them stand before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on the tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior, that he might give repentance to Israel and forgive sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey God. When they heard this, when the leaders heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people, stood up and ordered the men to be put outside for a short time. Then Gamaliel said to the leaders, fellow Israelites, consider carefully what you propose to do to these men. For some time ago, Theudas rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him but he was killed and all who followed him were dispersed and disappeared. After him, Judas, the Galilean, rose up at the time of the census, got people to follow him, and he also perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone, because if this plan or this undertaking is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow him, them. And in that case, you may be even found fighting against God. They were convinced by Gamaliel. And then they called in the apostles and they had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And as they left the council, they rejoiced that they were considered worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. And every day in the temple and at home, 
they did not cease to teach and proclaim Jesus as the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Gamaliel, a Pharisee, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people. He had the apostles removed and with authority told the other leaders to think carefully. He gave them two examples of leaders claiming to be somebody who had garnered quite the following. Those two somebodies were killed and the followers disappeared. Gamaliel doesn't say whether they were killed by the Romans or religious leaders. Neither does he mention what the reader knows, the somebody leading the apostles has already been killed. That would be Jesus. And the crowd of followers were still growing, according to scripture, to a great number. The teacher of the law, respected by all the people, offers the snippet of wisdom worthy of preservation by the tradition. Let these people alone, Gamaliel says, if this plan is, or this undertaking is of human origin, it will fail, but if it's of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. And in that case, you may even be found fighting against God. If it's of God. If it's of God, it will last. Just a tidbit of lasting wisdom from a teacher of the law, respected by all the people and remembered in the church to this day by so very few. In our adult education LinkedIn series that combines my preaching with small groups meeting throughout the church and with Professor Heath Carter teaching as we speak in the assembly room. This week, Professor Carter invited participants to read a very famous sermon by Harry Emerson Fosdick entitled, Shall the Fundamentalist Win? Fosdick preached that sermon at First Presbyterian Church in Greenwich Village in New York City in May of 1922, 100 years ago. At that time, the fundamentalist modernist controversy was raging in the church. Put way too simply, the conflict was about how to read and interpret the Bible, how to understand biblical authority amid the rushing waters of the intellectual and cultural developments of the early 20th century. Fosdick's call in the sermon was for intellectual hospitality, open-mindedness, tolerance within the Christian fellowship of the church. And in the sermon, he references this text from Acts and the words of Gamaliel and calls for the urgent need of the attitude of Gamaliel amid the fundamentalists apparently intended to drive out those who held liberal opinions. Fosdick himself was forced to resign from First Press, New York City in 1925, and eventually John Rockefeller built him a little preaching chapel called Riverside Church. Contemporary readers of Fosdick's sermon will sense a compelling, if not disheartening, timelessness to it. Students of church history, especially the history of the fundamentalist modernist controversy, will likely have the same reaction. For when it comes to the context and the question raised, there is a relentless relevance for the church today, for church, for theological education, for the Christian life. about tolerance and hospitality. 
But the wisdom of Gamaliel might not be the most timeless, telling, lasting predictor when it comes to the church in the fifth chapter of Acts. One day last summer, I was listening to one of the podcasts of the New York Times. This particular podcast is a series called First Person. The episode title was, A Pastor Ripped Apart by Our Divided Country. It was an interview with the Reverend Dan White, a Baptist pastor of a modest-sized congregation in upstate New York. And he describes the stress and tension he experienced as a pastor serving a congregation of divergent political opinions. He was ordained in the early 2000s. And the story he told was about serving the congregation, not during the pandemic, not after the presidential election of 2016, but during the 2012 presidential campaign when Mitt Romney was challenging President Barack Obama. Not to bury the lead of the story, Pastor Dan White eventually left the ministry after he was diagnosed with cumulative traumatic stress syndrome. One experience he shared has stayed with me. He'd been a pastor of the church for about 10 years. A woman came up to him, a woman he described as a dear church member he loved, and she told her pastor, I have to leave this church. I'm a conservative and I don't feel safe. I feel judged. Despite his efforts to assure her, she left. Just two weeks later, a young couple who had joined the church since he was pastor came up and said, we can't stay in the church with people who are so conservative. There's no space for us. We have to go. And again, he offered a plea, but to no avail. And he shared with the listener his loss for words and how perplexed he was that people who were listening to the same sermons, the same teaching, week after week. And what Dan, the former pastor, said next to the podcaster had a tone of heartbreak that every pastor can understand. I was just in shock that both of these people didn't think they could belong in the same community. You read the same stories about the church these days that I do. That reality of church life is only magnified all the more, maybe to the nth degree, since 2012. So in the present case, Gamaliel said, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone, because if this plan or this undertaking is of human origin, it will fail. But if it's of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. In that case, you may even be found fighting against God. They were convinced by Gamaliel. And when they had called in the apostles, they had them flogged. And then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The chief priests, the Sadducees, and the elders were all convinced by Gamaliel's tidbit of wisdom, if it is of God, but yet, then, they brought the apostles back in and had them flogged. And every day in the temple and at home, Peter and the apostles did not cease to teach and proclaim Jesus as the Messiah. Yeah, they were convinced, and they still had him flogged and tried to silence them. The most timeless, telling, lasting predictor when it comes to the church. And the fifth chapter of Acts is that violent act of flogging that foreshadows humankind's mark upon the church and humankind's desire to demonize the other while always looking to drive them out. But unlike the movements 
that followed Theudas and Judas, those that Gamaliel pointed out had disappeared, the church of Jesus Christ is still here. We're still here. Because the mark of Christ is always more indelible than the mark of humankind. The power, the strength, the peace, the love, and the presence of the risen Christ is and will always be greater because that's what he promised. That's what he taught. That's how he lived. That's how he died. That's how he rose again. And we're all, this all, we're all still here amid all of the brokenness and sinfulness, amid all of the ragtaggedness, in spite of, our, in spite of and despite our feeble efforts, we're, we're still here. And that's because Jesus is stronger I don't preach that out of flimsy piety. It's not a toss-away line for me. And as we celebrate Valerie's baptism this morning, remember the mark of Jesus bestowed at baptism is a mark that is always stronger. Or as I have reminded you again and again with the words of first, the letter of 1 John, God is greater than our hearts. Yes, there is a relentless relevance to that Fosdick sermon, now a hundred years old. A relentless relevance to the Christian landscape so devoted to tossing the other out, or worse. But you and I, the extended community, extended community, that community that is Nassau Presbyterian Church, our Savior Jesus Christ still calls us to a bold hospitality, to opt to love over hate, to lean always into intolerance, to welcome the stranger, to love the neighbor, and to see the face of Jesus and those we're called to serve. God calls and empowers us to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with God. The Apostle Paul exhorts us to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is never in vain. And Jesus, well, Jesus, he will never forsake us. And his mark is always, always stronger. Thanks be to God.